morning, Centerway Church. My name is Priscilla. And I'm Joe. And I'm not exactly sure why we're asked to do this today. Probably because you crave attention and love the camera. That's kind of true. That's very true. We're so thankful to gather online together, and we want to welcome you today. And hello to everyone on our live platform right now, including those gathering watch parties today. And we definitely don't want to forget those watching or listening to this at a later date. We really are so glad you're choosing to be with us today. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. You're about to hear some logistical things we've run through every week so that you and everyone else know a little bit about what to expect and how to engage. First, if someone you know needs assistance or prayer, we'd love to help in any way we can. And if you have any ideas and other ways we could serve each other in this season, please email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. Wherever you find yourself in your spiritual journey, we have resources available for you and everyone in your family. There are Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals that you can sign up for on the Next Steps page of the website, as well as wallpapers to remind you of the weekly application question and a message just for kids. Our Centerway kids get to hear a kid-friendly version of the same content and text you're about to hear. If you have kids in your home, you can talk about the application question together and grow as a family. All these resources are available on our website. If you're watching live this morning, there are tabs to share your info, give, take next steps, find previous messages, request prayer, and even share this message. If you are listening or watching later, you can do those things through our website. One last thing to note, if you're looking together for a watch party or you want to host a watch party and need help connecting with other people, email us at connectcenterwaychurch.com and we'll be happy to help. Here's what to expect today. In just a moment, Kira will be reading the scripture text for us. Claude will be communicating from the Bible and then you'll hear some ways to respond in worship. Immediately after the message, you can head over to Instagram Live or Facebook Live as a way to respond through song. Here's Kira with the text for today. Good morning, Centerway Church. My name is Kira, and I'll be doing the scripture reading this morning. We are in 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 through 24. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. Good morning and welcome. Uh, my name is Claude. My wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors at Centerway Church, and we're super excited that you have the opportunity to join us this morning. Uh, we're continuing in our series, For the Love, and this morning's message in particular is titled, Sacrifice a Little. So, For the Love, Sacrifice a Little. And we're continuing in our journey through 1 John, specifically chapter 3, verses 19 through 24 that you just heard. And uh, as we jump into the message this morning, and I started to, to think a little bit about 
past experiences that I've had as we enter into summertime. Uh, one of the things that I really enjoy, maybe even to a fault, is ice cream, uh, specifically soft serve ice cream. I like a nice chocolate dip, if you will, or chocolate with chocolate sprinkles. I just like ice cream, honestly, any way I can get it. And I, I remember one time in particular, uh, I can't remember my exact age. I was an adult though, and I went to an ice cream parlor, if you will, or whatever it was called, I don't know. Um, it, it was one of those walk-up windows. And uh, as I'm standing there, I see this interaction happening with a parent and his children. He's getting uh, ice cream cones at the window and he's turning around and handing them to his child. And so he turns around to his son and he hands two ice cream cones to him. He says, this one's for your sister. So go ahead and, and give it to your sister. And his son's like looking at them and looks at him and looks down at them and says, okay. And so he turns around and as he turns around, he licks one and then he looks at the other and he licks the other and he's licking both ice cream cones. And his dad turns around and goes, what, what are you doing? And he's like, what, I, I, I'm just eating ice cream. And he goes, no, 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 one is for your sister. And he's like looking at it like not willing to part with it. And he shakes his head, no, and just kind of holds it. And he's like, no, son, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm handing you the ice cream to give to your sister. And so he gets another ice cream and I don't know how large the family was, but he gets another ice cream and, and he, he turns around and he goes, you need to go give that to your sister. And his son's like, no, and he's just holding there. Now it's starting to melt. He goes, you need to move fast. The ice cream's melting, hun. Go give the ice cream to your sister. And he's like, uh-uh. And so he starts kind of trying to lick both frantically and all of a sudden one wobbles. And of course, you probably know what's gonna happen. The ice cream falls off. The kid starts screaming. He's trying to grab the other one, drops his ice cream as well. So now he's dropped his sister's ice cream, his ice cream, and it's a huge mess. Why? Because he just didn't want to part with what he thought was his. And so the question I want you to consider as we move into the message this morning is why do we talk ourselves out of sacrifice? Why do we talk ourselves out of sacrifice? We have something, we don't want to let it go. I think the quick and easy answer is probably obvious. We're rather selfish. I know it sounds <laughs> super cozy, right? Welcome to Centerway. You're selfish. Hope to see you next week. But as human beings, we're, we're rather selfish and we're consumed by self-preservation. I mean, culture teaches us, look out for number one. This is about you. Live your best life, right? Do you. <laughs> if we uh, have something, then, you know, we want to keep it. And if we give that something away, then we no longer have that thing, whatever it is. So we're at a deficit. Why would we do that? who in their right mind would give something that they have? Why would they choose to be in a deficit? Think about it. Why would we sacrifice if we don't have to? Why would we sacrifice if we don't have to? And there it is, rationalizing something. As humans, not as Christians, as human beings, because I realize we have people all over the gamut tuning in or listening later, whether you're a committed Christ follower or a skeptic kind of checking church out, whatever you kind of find yourself or whatever you might label yourself this morning, the fact is you're a human being. You're a human being and somewhere on that scale, you rationalize things. We rationalize so we don't have to sacrifice. Let me say that one more time. We, we literally rationalize circumstances and situations 
so we don't have to sacrifice. It's like you could almost see in this little boy's mind as he stood there with two cones like, but dad, you gave them to me. They're mine. Why would I part with one of them? Who in their right mind would give up an ice cream cone if they have two? I mean, all the better, right? I think we've all had a sense that maybe we should do something for someone else. Like something in our gut, you know, maybe an internal voice or just a sense that somebody has something or might have, I mean, have need for something. And then we begin to talk ourselves out of it, right? You know what I'm talking about? We've all experienced like that moment where you're kind of like, oh, maybe I should give them that. And then you're like, eh, maybe not. I'm in a hurry. They'd be freaked out. I mean, I don't even know them. Why would I do that? Or, or maybe it's a person we do know. Maybe it's even a person we love but we still talk ourselves out of that sacrifice. Like, I don't want them to feel like they're a charity case. I mean, <laughs> what, a, what a wonderful position to take. You're so kind and benevolent that you would never make them feel like a charity case. And so therefore, you get to keep what is yours and, and pile more things, you know, lest you think that, that in some way you would belittle them by giving them something. We, we think things like, you know what? This person might like this or or enjoy it, but the fact is, like, they don't need it. I mean, they don't need it, so I should probably just keep it <laughs> because, after all, I need it, right? The, the thing that I think I, I say most to myself, anyway, if I'm being transparent, is this idea that they're fine. They're fine. If they needed something, they would say it. Like, why do I have this sense? Like, I'm probably just trying to overcompensate, but the reality is our humanity, our fallen nature is more geared towards accumulation and gathering. So anytime we think that maybe we should give or sacrifice, it's counterintuitive. So that means an outside force is leaning us into that. It's something we need to think about and consider. Why would we ever sacrifice for another person? You know, if you're honest, you've talked yourself out of sacrificing for someone else. We all have, as I've already said. We're in the same boat this morning. And this morning, John, the author of 1 John, is addressing this human compulsion head on with this text. If we read together verses 19, 19 through 20, it says this, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him, meaning before God. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. This is actually a difficult and maybe even confusing couple of verses if we just sort of read it at face value, like what in the world is John talking about? And we have to realize that it's important to read this pericope, this section of scripture, in kind of the author's progression of the topic at hand. He's reinforcing the exhortation to his readers not to close their hearts towards fellow believers in need. That's kind of the theme. That's what he's talking about as he goes into these verses. And so quite literally, John is saying, for the love, sacrifice a little. For the love, just sacrifice a little. Let's unpack these verses, okay? By, uh, it says, by this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. So this Greek word for reassure, reassure our heart, it means also to persuade or convince our heart, 
So we need to persuade or convince our heart. And the word for heart here is in reference to our inner self. The Greek word is actually where we get kind of this idea of our id or our self-conscious, our, our inner conscience, consciousness, if you will. And so, it, so get this here. John is saying that we must persuade or convince ourselves in the presence of God our internal self. We have to persuade or convince our internal self before God in the presence of him. Why? Why? So we don't succumb to selfishness and the refusal to part with material possessions. He's acknowledging that the struggle is real. And so he's challenging us. Listen, we have to persuade and literally convince ourselves to do the opposite of our flesh response. That seems like works righteousness, doesn't it? It means like we have to beat our flesh into submission. Like, come on, you know, just do the right thing. Come on, sacrifice. You can do it. Make yourself do it. But we know that that never works, right? That more often than not, we rationalize. We come up with a reason why it is that we should keep what we have, why we don't want to belittle the others, why we don't want to part with our things. So let's read on, because that's not really what's happening here. Verse 20 says, For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Whenever our heart condemns us. So it means our inner self. It means whenever our inner self objects or disapproves of legitimate calls to generosity and even sacrifice. So whenever our heart says, don't do it, don't do it, don't part with it. Listen, grab those cones a little tighter. Like these are yours. This is your moment. Just enjoy it. That's your stuff. Listen, you worked hard, so you play hard, right? If those people want that thing, they should work hard. You, you, you don't have to provide other people with things. That's not your job. So literally, our heart, our inner self is saying, hang on to it. Don't sacrifice. Don't be generous. The thing that's interesting about the wording here is that it doesn't say if. It says for whenever. Whenever. It's going to happen. So, so as professing Christ followers, when we pursue self-preservation, we must acknowledge that God is greater than our heart and that he knows everything. This means as people of truth, people confessing to be of truth, of of people that love Christ with all of our hearts and minds, we can look at the sacrifice and the love that Jesus displayed on the cross for us. And that should reorient our hearts to get this error on the side of generosity. What an amazing concept, right? So, so it's not about some works righteousness where, where when all of a sudden we feel compelled to give or to sacrifice or to be generous, that we have to, to say, we're going to do it. Even though I'm angry, I'm going to pry my hands open and I'm going to do it because it's the Jesus thing to do. And sometimes Jesus just makes me feel bad. That's part of being a Christian. It's not about that at all. It's not a, a works-based thing. It's about the idea of looking to the cross 
and realizing Jesus gave. And so therefore we should be compelled to give that if we look at the things that we possess, it's, it's not because of our hard work. It's because God blessed us with the health and the strength to have the job that we have or the intelligence that we have to get the income that we have. And all of it is the Lord's. And if it's all the Lord's, then we're simply stewards. And if we're stewards, then how dare we withhold when God is telling us to give or to be generous? You see, it's a reorienting of our heart and mind. It's not about gathering. It's about being the hands and feet of Jesus, erring on the side of generosity. It's countercultural. It goes against the grain of our flesh. You know, it's interesting if you are engaged in social media at all, and admittedly, I'm rather limited in my engagement, but you'll see videos of people doing kind of these social tests or whatever, where they give people money for no reason, or they give items away to people on the street. And then you sit there as these people are like, wait, this is a joke, right? And they're like, no, you can have it. I'm like, why? I'm like, just because we're here giving it out. I'm like, uh, and they're like looking around, freaked out, like they're a butt of a joke or something. And they're like, is this real? They're like, no, it's real. It's yours. People don't know how to act. People don't know how to respond to just generosity. Like there's a saying in our culture that nothing is free, right? And so this idea that we would receive something without a string attached goes against our nature. And John is letting a group of churches know that when Christians take care of fellow Christians, the unbelieving world takes notice. That it's so countercultural that people respond to the generosity of others. They realize there's this community of people that deeply love and care for one another. We see in the early church that the disciples just kind of brought what it is that they had and, and they dispersed what they had need of to the other believers. This idea of, of a community of people that truly care for one another, where they, they meet needs readily. It's a testimony. Our love for one another is a literal testimony to those that are outside of that relationship with God. They realize like, why would you do that? So wait, so you're telling me your, your church did that for you? Why? That's incredible. Why, why would people give that to you? It goes against their thoughts. You see, God's goodness and his transformative power in our lives is clear when we act opposite of our flesh. When we say, oh, you have need? We can meet that need. If we read on, verses 21 through 22 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Now, if you're looking at this kind of like through a fleshy way, you might be like, oh, I get it. That's the key. That's, that's how we get this leprechaun to grant us our wish. Like if we can just do the right things, then we got, then we got God and he's got to give us what it is that we want. But that's not what's happening here at all. You see, John is saying that our generosity and our obedience to the compulsions of the Holy Spirit laid on our hearts, when it goes against our flesh, that when we respond that way, that it leads to a confidence and a strength that, that, when we live in line with the gospel and hold loosely to the material things of this world, we can come boldly 
to the throne of grace. We can come boldly to God as his children. Because here's the deal. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, what it is that you have was given to you from your father to give to your sister. Maybe you were never intended to have two ice cream cones because it's kind of impossible to eat them both without dropping them or without them melting everywhere. That maybe God blessed you so that you can be a blessing. That the, the whole while he's looking and saying, but I've, I've given you so much. Like I'm giving it to you to give to your sister. Don't, don't you see? That's the plan here. That's why I'm giving it to you. You're a channel of my love and grace and mercy. And you're just trying to hold on to an ice cream cone and looking at God like, but it's mine. It's like, no, it's mine. And I gave it to you so that you could give it. It's a totally different paradigm. It allows us to start looking at our lives in a way that's, that's counter-cultural, that, that goes against everything we've been kind of raised to, to think about, what it is that we can gather in this tiny little window of life. Instead, we stop living for self and we start living on mission. You see, that different perspective, it, it's challenging us to say, don't live for yourself live on mission, live for the purpose of others to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Are you living for self this morning? Are you living on mission? Search your heart. You don't have to have a lot. You don't have to have a lot to be a blessing to someone else. Here's his commandment in case it's not clear. Verse 23 says, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Relationship with Jesus. When we have relationship with Jesus, the outflow is to love one another. That means obeying him when he calls us to generosity and even sacrifice. It means living hands open, saying, I want to be a part of what you're doing, God. Listen, we cannot close our heart to our brothers and sisters in need and call ourselves loving. It's an impossibility. For the love, sacrifice a little. Will you err on the side of generosity? Will you err on the side of obedience? We say every week here at Centerway that the text requires something of us. And so this morning, I want to ask you this question to challenge you a little. The question is this, what action will I take out of obedience to God? And when we hear that, that voice, because maybe some of you have been putting something off that you feel compelled to do, and you're rationalizing it right now. Like right now, as I was talking, you're thinking, oh no, like I don't, I don't want to part with that. There's no way God's asking me to do that. But is it possible that maybe it's time to obey what it is that God's leaning, laying on your heart. For some of us this morning, the action that we need to take out of obedience to God is surrendering our lives. For some of you, maybe you've been living your, your life for yourself so much, just convinced that you're going to work this thing out. And maybe you've even been calling yourself a Christian, but you've never really prayed a prayer surrendering 
your heart and life to him. And so I want to challenge you, if you're at that point of application this morning, that you would just take a moment wherever you find yourself and pray a simple prayer, acknowledging that Jesus laid down his life for you, that because of his sacrifice and generosity, that you can now be free and live a life on mission. It's as simple as this, just praying, Lord, I'm a sinner, but you died for my sins. Would you forgive me? Come and be the leader and Lord of my life. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to, to click on, uh, on the prayer link if you're joining us live this morning so that we can talk through what your next steps might be or maybe even clicking on the next steps link. If you're listening after, you can go to our website. We'd love to, to know the, the people that have made the decision and just walk alongside you in this journey to let you know what some next steps could be. For others of you this morning, as you kind of contemplate what it looks like, I want to challenge you. Maybe your application of obedience means blessing someone that is a brother or a sister within the body of Christ. Another person that attends Centerway, maybe, that, that you feel like, listen, God is calling me to bless them. And maybe it even has to be anonymous. Maybe it's not about you getting any of the glory or, or any of the thanks, and you just want to anonymously bless someone so that they don't feel like a charity case. Maybe that's your step. And so I want to challenge you, if you feel compelled to do that, to be people that live with their hands open. For others of you, maybe you live in that rhythm already. You've crossed that line of salvation and, and you live with your hands open and, and give however and whenever the Lord leads you. For you, I want to I challenge you to, to maybe take the next step of, of sharing how it is that someone has blessed you in your life. You see, the way the unknowing world understands the testimony of what it is to be in a life-giving community, a gospel-centered community, is that they need to hear the story of the fact that we walk in the blessing of other people, that, that someone has reached out and cared for you in your time of need. And so maybe you being missional just looks like sharing a testimony with people that maybe are far from Christ and say, well, I was in my, my darkest moment and, and someone met my need. It was incredible. It was at that moment I realized that God was going to care for me through the hearts and lives of others. So whether it means you crossing that line of salvation, you living out of obedience, or you being obedient on mission, I'm not sure what it is for you this morning, but I want to challenge you to take the next step, to allow the text to mess with you a little bit this morning and to kind of open your hands up and say, all right, God, whatever it is you want to do, it's all yours. I'm simply a steward. Be a channel through me, Lord, for your glory and my joy. Let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful that we have the opportunity to be in a community of believers, to be a part of what you intend the church to be. And Lord, I pray that this wouldn't be about us on the inside, but that we would be people living on mission. Lord, that we would be people living with our hands open, that we would be simple stewards of uh, whatever it is that you would give us so that we can be a blessing to others. And so God, we just declare ourselves available and that you would move in and through us, that you would speak clearly. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're not going to want to miss next week. We continue in the series for the love. It's going to be great. Uh, hang on one second as you get to hear about how we're about to respond in worship. What action will I take out of obedience to God? It's such a great question for us to consider this week. So whether it's with our time, our talent, or our treasure, let's all view our sacrifice and our obedience as an act of worship. There are lots of ways that we can respond in worship, but this question is a great place to start. 
If you're with us live, we're about to worship together through song as well. If you're watching or listening to the message later, you can find the songs we're about to sing on Spotify. Just search Centerway Church and look for our For the Love playlist. For those gathered on the live platform, we'll see you on Facebook Live or Instagram Live in just a few minutes.